1: Like coronavirus, terrorists mutate and spread. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist, and your terrorist therapist. Yes, like coronavirus, terrorists mutate and spread. Now, I know you're probably scratching your head (laughs) and wondering what I'm talking about. And you will soon find out. What I'm talking about um, is couple of different things in which uh, there has been, which exemplify how, in fact, um, terrorists are sort of intertwining and copying um, terrorist tactics from other terrorist groups. So you'll, So first, I know I, that's probably still confusing, but <laughs> let me just get into it. First of all, I want to talk about how um, Bernard Carrick, and Rudy Giuliani have recently been warning the public that Black Lives Matter is connected to terrorism. Now, I have mentioned this, I believe, in previous podcasts uh, in a vague kind of way, but I must say <laughs> it. Uh, I am pleased that people who, you know, have a connection to this woman uh, in particular, this fundraiser for Black Lives Matter, uh, a personal connection, uh, actually are talking about it now because clearly they have more credibility in talking about this particular terrorist, Susan Rosenberg, but um, as I have said and as is still true, Susan Rosenberg isn't the only terrorist, domestic terrorist, who is connected to Black Lives Matter, but this is the news for the week <laughs> that, um, that Carrick and Giuliani have um, brought this out, in particular talking about her because she is the chief fundraiser. So Bernard Herrick, as you may know, uh, is the retired NYPD commissioner. And um, he um, is, you know, warning the public about this, um, talking about how um, Black Lives Matter has turned into an extremely radical political movement Rather than a movement just for uh, social justice, just for decreasing or eradicating racism, and I have been talking about this in previous podcasts, and um, as I said, and uh, it's important why I'm I'm doing something another podcast on this, is because um, because it's so hard for people to understand, nobody wants to be racist. Well, take that back. Not nobody wants to be racist, but um, people think that if they speak out against Black Lives Matter, that they are going to be considered racist. And uh, because they think that that's what it's about, you know, and that getting uh, eradicating racism. But in fact, um, there are many ties to various kinds of terrorist groups, amongst the leaders of Black Lives Matter. And now there's this additional um, terrorist connection, domestic terrorist connection, and that is with Susan Rosenberg. So let me tell you about her and why um, Carrick and Giuliani are so concerned. Um, First talking about Bernard Carrick. Uh, Black Lives Matter he is warning, is, has partnered with the nonprofit group Thousand Currents and the vice chair of Thousand Currents is this woman named Susan Rosenberg. Susan Rosenberg is a convicted terrorist, a domestic terrorist. Um, in 1985, she was convicted for possessing hundreds of pounds of explosives. She and her organization, uh, an organization, she was quite prolific in terms of being involved in a lot of radical or terrorist, uh, domestic terrorist types of organizations. And they were involved in multiple robberies, police officer assassinations, and bombings. She was sentenced to 58 years in prison, but she only spent 16 years in a federal prison because Bill Clinton pardoned her. On his last day in office, so now Rosenberg pops up as leading the fundraising efforts for Black Lives Matter um, now, where did how was Bernard Tarek have to do with this in nineteen eighty five he personally escorted Rosenberg out of the Newark courthouse from um and so he, you know, was uh, very much involved at, at that time in uh, her charges and and uh, the court cases and so on. And um, so he is concerned that with uh, that under her lead, the quote revolutionary Marxist Black Lives Matter group wants to overthrow the country. Now, if you've heard previous podcasts, recent previous podcasts, you will know that I have been talking about that as well, that this is no longer about um, racial equality. This is about anarchy, overthrowing the government. You know, I've talked about it, just talked about Chaz and Chop and um, how that is an example of the anarchists that, who want to take over the country. So Bernard Carrick is saying Rosenberg's role in the family as the Confederation of White and Black Domestic Terrorists called themselves, was to use her white privilege to do such things as acquire weapons, purchase vehicles, and rent apartments for safe houses and storage units for explosives and weapons. And he said, in 1981, she allegedly drove a getaway car in the Brinks armored car holdup in Rockland County, New York. In which two policemen and a guard were murdered, now you know so we see um, the underpinnings, some of the underpinnings, this accounts for some of them, this whole idea of killing the police. <laughs> um, you know, yes, of course, it was related to the George Floyd murder, but there has there's a much longer, deeper history of this being anti-police. Um, authorities nabbed her in nineteen eighty four when she and Timothy Blunk were caught in New Jersey unloading from a U-Haul truck to a storage unit, 640 pounds of stolen explosives, an arsenal of weapons, manuals on terrorism and false IDs. This is what uh, Bernard Carrick had to say. Now, then we look at Susan Rosenberg from another angle. Um, and Rudy Giuliani, what he had to say. Rudy Giuliani was a little more <laughs> was a little more outraged, um, and he, he um, has said that the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, quote, "It's certainly a violent organization, and I believe in the course of time it will be shown to be a terrorist organization." Again, he's talking about domestic terrorism. Uh, he slammed it for its ties to Susan Rosenberg, a radical activist um, who was part of this group called—well, um, I'll just—I'll describe that in a little bit. But anyhow, let, let me. Um, this group called M19CO. So he too, a little more, um, a little more <laughs> feeling, a little more strongly. Um, Giuliani also, uh, the former mayor, Giuliani, you know, Rudy Giuliani must uh, be, um, here he, he was the one who, um, helped New York City after 9-11, and you've heard, if you've been listening to prior podcasts, you've heard how upset I am about how New York is being destroyed by all of these rioters and looters and defunding the police, the mayor saying we should defund the police and all of that. Uh, Judy really, Rudy Giuliani must really be um, devastated even more, certainly, than I am, because he was the one who um, is responsible for putting New York back together, not the only person responsible, but significantly responsible for putting New York back together after 9-11, and, um, and for him, you know, to see this, uh, to see it being destroyed again, must be just, just incredibly devastating. So the fact that he is a little more, um, a little more outraged about what's happening to it is certainly understandable. Uh, he said, Black Lives Matter is an organization run by three Marxists and financed by a convicted terrorist, who I happen to have convicted, who got 58 years in jail and got a corrupt pardon from Bill Clinton. And he's talking um, about Susan Rosenberg. Well, when we come back, I'll tell you a little bit more about what uh, Rudy Giuliani has to say. And then I will also, um, and then we'll start talking about vehicle ramming and what that has to do with um, terrorists mutating and spreading. So stay tuned.
0: You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol.
1: Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show where we're talking today about like coronavirus, terrorists mutate and spread. So we're talking about, for starters, the spread of terrorists, domestic terrorists, into the Black Lives Matter movement. We've been talking about Susan Rosenberg. Um, and um, I'll continue with that. I've been talking about what um, what Bernard Carrick, the former retired NYPD commissioner, has warned and now uh, about Rudy Giuliani and he's warning the same thing about how Black Lives Matter are is infiltrated by terrorists and yes we're talking today primarily about domestic terrorists infiltrating them you know of course you've heard about Antifa and uh other groups but I am not saying that there are not I'm not not okay um I I am not uh denying or Um, there may well be, let's put it that way, there may well be uh, jihadist terrorists in that movement as well. I'm not saying that uh, they're not. I'm just talking today primarily about domestic terrorists. So um, the uh, Black Lives Matter, just to go back a little bit in history, the Black Lives Matter movement, the hashtag, um, started on social media following the acquittal of George Zimmerman In the shooting death of black teenager Trayvon Martin, which occurred in 2012. And um, since the killing, the police killing of George Floyd uh, in May, the Black Lives Matter hashtag and movement have um, come back and bloomed. Not that they were ever gone uh, completely, but they've actually been growing and uh, they had their opportunity to come out in force. Now, the three founders of the movement and the hashtag are activists Alicia Garza, Garza, Patrice Coolers, and Opal Tometi. And uh, they have, since it began, they, in 2012, as I was saying with with George Zimmerman, um, you know, when they felt that that was such an outrage, they, since then, uh, they have founded a national network of over 30 local chapters. That was actually between 2014 and 2016. So they've been, they've been working hard. Um, so it is a network run by an umbrella organization called Thousand Currents, as I was mentioning before. And Susan Rosenberg is the vice chair of the board of directors. And she is primarily um, a fundraiser for Black Lives Matter. Now, before this, she was, uh, she has a long history, um, starting with college or just after college in New York. Uh, a very interesting, um, you know, you wouldn't expect, well, of course we don't know all the details of her childhood, clearly clearly there, were, there was dysfunction there in some way, but she was born into a middle-class Jewish family in Manhattan where her father was a dentist. Now, come on. (laughs) Her father was a dentist, and she ultimately became involved with so many different radical groups and wanting to overthrow America. Uh, She was an anarchist. Her mother, no, she probably got most of this from her mother, I I presume, who was a a theatrical producer. And needless to say, Susan Rosenberg has created a lot of theatrics. She went to... um, she went to a progressive walden school and then she went to barnard ivy league school and then she became a drug counselor in a hospital and pro- learned chinese medicine and acupuncture and became an um, a um, a drug counselor as i said and an act and a um, an acupuncturist and then she just um she joined the uh, a group, a group called the may 19th communist organization which is a group that worked in support of the Black Liberation Army. And she joined, I mean, I would have to spend too long telling you all the different um, radical groups that she belonged to. Uh, So, I mean, clearly something happened in her childhood. Maybe she was abused or, um, although I'd hate to think that I... Um, I I don't know. I'm just, I'm just uh, speculating really not based on a lot of information here, but some, well, I, I am, can say that clearly something happened in her childhood, whether it had to do with her family or being bullied, or I don't know what, but that made her so angry, you know, that instilled in her an anger that then expressed itself later on, um, as a member, an active member in all of these, uh, radical groups. So Um, So this group, um, the May 19th Communist Organization, uh, sought to overthrow the U.S. government through armed action and a people's militia. That was the aim. And um, it was part of the Black Power Movement and the New Communist Movement. So, as I said, she was arrested and she served um, only 16 of the 58 years that she was, uh, you know, the, the, that the verdict and the sentence were supposed to uh, give her because she, her sentence was commuted was, was pardoned. She was um, pardoned on Bill Clinton's last day of office in 2001. So... Um, she In jail, she was also, she, she wrote a book, and she became an AIDS activist, and she got her master's. Um, and now, <laughs> she handles the finances uh, of Black Lives Matter as, in, in terms of being a fundraiser. Um, she was also involved with the Black Panthers, and they, uh, as you may remember, used to slaughter police officers. So again, this is a long history um, of being brutal against the police. And so, um, so Giuliani said, this convicted terrorist, speaking of Susan Rosenberg, this convicted terrorist was sentenced to 58 years. Clinton's corrupt last hour pardon set her free. Now we are paying the price. So, um, so. All right, that's, uh, that's, like, that's Black Lives Matter, and that it, it speaks to the um, issue of like coronavirus, terrorists mutate and spread in that they spread from one organization to another. It's basically, it's rage uh, spreading from one organization to another. Now, here we're going to talk about another aspect of that, which is vehicle ramming the evolution of a terrorist tactic inside the US. Now vehicle ramming, the definition of it, according to the Department of Homeland Security, is when a perpetrator deliberately aims a motor vehicle at a target with the intent to inflict fatal injuries or cause significant property damage by striking with concussive force. So we're having an increase in vehicle ramming these days, you know, um, I I have talked in the past about how when there were lockdowns or in some places there are again, lockdowns, um, it was harder for terrorists to to do things like vehicle ramming or other, or even uh, suicide bombs because there weren't many places uh, where there were groups, crowds of people. So now, of course, however, um, with the protests and the riots and the looting and bringing crowds out into the streets, this is now another, a new uh, opportunity for terrorists in terms of vehicle ramming and other kinds of attacks that, um, where, they, where you need a crowd to be effective. So, I mean, that isn't to say that there haven't been people going into, um, well, There really aren't many malls, there haven't been many malls open. They just started to reopen and now they're closed. So whenever there's, you know, in a sense coronavirus and the lockdowns um, provided some protection against terrorism. Uh, But I know I talked about in a prior podcast, I talked about um, France, this attack in France, where this, this city, this little town really was locked down and yet a terrorist came and Uh, perpetrated a knifing attack and uh, knifed a fair number of victims. So getting back to vehicle ramming. um, Here are some examples and then um, I'll give you more uh, about the history and about why this is significant now. So July 4th, a car drove through a police barricade and went down a Seattle freeway where there were protesters. demonstrating against police brutality and it was a white car there was a video of it fortunately Um, and it traveled at a high rate of speed it swerved around two vehicles uh, and these vehicles were supposed to be a barrier to protect the protesters but it swerved around them and um it uh and people ran for their lives when this happened um it It went to into a journalist wrote the car video showed the car careened toward the protesters and struck two, sending them flying into the air. So there was one of these um, who got attacked, who got hit summer Taylor, who's a twenty four year old girl from Seattle, and she died that night um, so now this this kind of these kinds of attacks ramming attacks have been increasing. And um, in terms of when they are aimed at the protesters, it's coming from not a jihadist belief or philosophy, it's coming from people feeling angry, feeling scared, primarily scared um, about the mobs, you know, and we've certainly seen seen other examples of that. Um, Certainly the answer to fear and anger about all of these mobs and the looters and so on is not uh, vehicle ramming but some people feel um this is what some people are doing because they're feeling at their wit's end um okay well let's i'll continue with some more examples of these vehicle rammings, and it's it really has a very interesting history you might think that vehicle ramming started with isis but it actually didn't there was they were. It was thought of before, also by a terrorist group, but it was thought of before. So stay tuned, and I'll tell you which one.
0: You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned, and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror, Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol.
1: Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show. We're talking today about, like coronavirus, terrorists mutate and spread. And uh, in continuing with that theme, we're talking about vehicle ramming and where um, people, how people uh, pick that up. It did come from... um, from jihadists, just not ISIS as the first group, terrorist group to, um, to start the, <laughs> the trend of vehicle ramming. Um, but it is really interesting to see how it, it started uh, a while ago and, and in a far away place, far away from, uh, from Seattle, let's say, or I'm gonna tell you some other places also, recent examples. Um, the far away from the U.S. and how it made its way, and now is being used um, by 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 individuals. Not necessarily, uh, there are some terrorist, domestic terrorist groups using it, but also just by individuals who you know are mad as hell and don't want to take it anymore, and they are ramming their car um, into uh, protesters and uh, rioters and uh, looters. Um, so again out of anger and fear um, so also rec- in recent weeks um, actually this is all in these examples are all in July as a matter of fact um, in Mish- Mishawaka, Indiana uh, just hours after the attack on July 4th in Seattle that I was talking about There was another vehicle ramming attack. And this one um, involved an SUV that swerved around police barriers into a crowd of protesters. And they hit, this car, uh, this vehicle, hit and dragged 23-year-old Trevor Davis. Then there was another one two days later. So this is all at the beginning of July. So two days later, a woman plowed into protesters outside a courthouse in Bloomington, Indiana before speeding away, but they got video of her too. Um, And it showed a woman clinging to the roof of the car and a man held on to the driver's side um, as the car drove forward. So these people were presumably trying to not let this woman get away, you know. So... um, so we have what we're we're going to be seeing is how um, this the how terrorists learn terrorist groups learn from one another and copy one another copy the strategies and the tactics of one another and um, and not just terrorist groups but individuals. So, like for example, um, even you may remember uh, an incel in Canada, Alex Minassian. He drove a van down a busy downtown street in Toronto in 2018 and he killed 10 pedestrians. Now he was an incel, not a, well, I mean, actually, um, I did did a podcast recently look back in these in the podcast to see all these things. Um, I did a podcast on our incels terrorists. So, um, but anyhow, he was an individual. He did not belong. Well, you could say he belonged to the incel group. That's true. But, um, they, they don't have the same kind of ideology as jihadists do. So um, in the United States, we are are seeing an increase in uh, these vehicle rammings uh, from all kinds of terrorist groups, white supremacists, um, uh, all of the different variations of radicals. And um the, the where, ter- where it began, uh, well first of all the, the reason why it has spread so easily is because you know why other terrorists and individuals have picked up this uh, idea of oh yeah let' let's just do this um, to create mayhem and kill people and express ourselves um, it's, be- it's so easy to copy because it's low tech and it doesn't uh give any uh pre it's not easy to be caught ahead of time you know cars a car we've seen this in london we've seen this well we've seen it all over in in europe um and in the us but like all uh, the person who decides to do a vehicle ramming attack just makes that decision drives down the street where he you know wants to do this whether it's to hit protesters or just hit pedestrians in the street or whatever. And all of a sudden he swerves. So there's really no way unless somebody is under on a, a terrorist watch list, for example, but even then it's uh, a sudden attack. And so it's really hard to stop these people. So this has been very, uh, you can see why this would be very appealing uh, to want to be terrorists. Um, And also, another reason why it's so popular is because there is the potential to kill and injure a lot of people, depending upon uh, where you are, where you drive. And it's been called the poor man's weapon of mass destruction. Now, um, ISIS, as I said, was not the first group to start doing vehicle ramming. It was actually Hamas, also a jihadist group, Um, It started in the West Bank, and um, it began because Israel was successfully hardening targets and making it more difficult to penetrate inside Israel. And so jihadist groups turned to using less easily detected cars and trucks for attacks, uh, in other words, they had to figure out some other re- way to um, attack Israel, and this kind of vehicle ramming, uh, for the reasons that I just was mentioning, uh, seemed, you know, came into their minds and seemed like a good idea. And um, this, what in the early 2010s, uh, that is when Israel started seeing an uptick in these car ramming attacks. And uh, for example, in, in 2014, in March through November of 2014, there were six attacks. And then in 2015, there were 36 attacks in Israel and the Palestinian territories. So we see the rapid rise. Then, of course, ISIS, um, you know, saw how effective that was. And they have, as you know, there have been really dramatic uh, vehicle attacks. In London, in Nice, in Lyon, in Graz, Germany, uh, Austria, and New York, um, and uh, well, Germany also the mar- the market in Germany. Remember that. And um, so ISIS started uh, in- integrating, you know, including uh, vehicle ramming in there as a p- one of their kinds of attacks, and mentioning it a lot in their propaganda because um, as a, something that lots of lone wolves could do easily. Um, so they were encouraging lone wolves to do this kind of attack. And you know, it's so easy, you can just just drive down the street. You don't need any special, um, you don't need to learn how to make a bomb, for example. So then uh, the, the statistics are rather alarming. Um, worldwide, from 2014 through 2017, terrorists carried out 17 known vehicle ramming attacks worldwide. And that caused these 17 attacks. Listen to this only 17 attacks caused 173 fatalities and 667 injuries. So that's like uh, 10 fatalities per attack, I mean, it it wasn't really like that because in France, um, in Nice, you know, the truck really mowed down more than 10. So it's not, it it isn't really 10 per attack, but that's an average. Uh, And 667 injuries, I mean, it is very lethal, very um, dangerous. And then uh, now the right wing groups have uh, particularly picked up this kind of attack as well as the other terrorist groups, and as well as people who aren't affiliated with any groups. And um, now the uh, estimate, uh, just, just, listen to this, just since George Floyd's death, May 25th, there have been 66 vehicle ramming incidents. So that is quite an increase. Um and so the interesting thing is that, like a virus, like coronavirus, uh, this this uh, tactic, strategy, this um, weapon, so to speak, uh, has has spread through all different kinds of terrorist groups, from the from Hamas to ISIS to uh, other jihadists to uh, white supremacists and and just all <laughs> there's all the different radicals have seen this, you know copycat vehicle ramming is really what it should be called so um so you know the so the the idea is that even though uh these people don't necessarily belong to one particular ideology um they are they have quickly picked it up and um like contagion, you know, like viruses spread, they have picked it up. Um, And, of course, to to bring this around to uh, where we started, um, the fact that they, because of the, uh, since George Floyd's death, I mean, why are there 66, um, why have there been 66 vehicle rammings since George Floyd's death? Um, well, clearly it's because instead of the way it was before his death, um, his murder, before then, when it was uh, coronavirus alone and a lot of lockdowns, uh, as I was saying, there there weren't many places where there were crowds, but now that there, since his death, now that there have been so many protests and so many um, marches, demonstrations, riots, all of that, now you have crowds. <laughs> So what happens? It brings out the vehicle rammers. And quite frankly, whether the person uh, ramming their vehicle into you is a jihadist or a black or a, well, or a white supremacist or a, uh, an incel or whatever, whatever their philosophy or whether they're just angry at what's happening in the world and they don't want to take it anymore, it still kills. Well, thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist.